0: Now running on Kickstarter. Look at you, weak mama's boy. You have such a high opinion of yourself, but you're no better than the rest of us. No matter what your social media ranking says. You and your pathetic idea that everything will be fine when you do nothing to change what is suffocating you. You and me, thinking when the moment comes, we'll be different than the rest. That we won't run. That we'll stand and face the enemy. But there is no enemy to face, because the enemy is invisible. The enemy is inside you. Don't you want to do something that actually means something? Kill yourself. Sleep Inertia Pilot Slicing Through the Foam of the Days Like a radial saw on a Stone Heart is a 100-page original graphic novel written and illustrated by Valentin Ramon, co-creator and artist of Dave and Hot Damn. You can get your copy by supporting the Kickstarter campaign and pre-ordering. But hurry, nothing lasts forever. Hey, everyone. Before we get started this week, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to another Columbus-based podcast here called In the Record Store with Vincent Grant. It's, a like I said, another Columbus-based podcast that features uh, Columbus musicians uh, to have them want to talk about their music and then plays the songs uh, for you to hear. It's a great show. Uh, I've only discovered it within the past week, and I'm already enjoying it. Uh, if you're a lover of music or just discovering new music, be sure to listen to it. You can check them out on SoundCloud iTunes or you can go to in the com. So again, strongly recommend checking it out. And now on with the show.
1: Hey, this is Kenny Kramer, the real Kramer. I'm telling you, you're listening to the Fan Air Podcast. Enjoy. Giddy up.
0: Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Daugherty.
2: And I am Jake Runyon.
0: And joining us this week, we have an illustrator. My God, what a beautiful illustrator at that. Michael Manamivabool. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having me. We're going to have a great show lined up for you today. In this week's Retro Roundtable, we're going to be talking about first-person shooter video games. I think we touched on this a long time ago when we first started the Retro Roundtable. A little bit. Enough times past we can uh, have another. There's enough, been enough we can new talk stuff about more has come out. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Then uh, we're going to take a dive into the comic dump bin. What we got, guys? Anything good? I have got
2: superheroes from the mind of Clive Barker, the hyperkind.
1: Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, guys,
2: it's so weird. Is it? No? <laughs>
1: it's super weird. What about you, Jack? Howdy I got an indie one called Elena Divinity Rising. A couple years old.
0: All right, cool. A few things we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Mike and talk about some of his illustrations and his book, Fathoms: The Art of Michael Manimivable. Let's kick it off with this week's retro roundtable.
2: Hold on to your butts. Bad noise. <laughs>
0: Excellent. All right guys, first person shooters. Let's just start with Michael favorite first person shooter.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna open up my steam my Steam library real quick just to like because it's it just it depends, man. Every single day it's like slightly different. Okay. You know, I I grew up playing I played Doom Two when I was oh, I don't know nice. how old was I when I played Doom Two? Like 11, 10 or eleven, <laughs> you know? And it felt like such an illicit activity i actually booted it up earlier this year and it's still a lot of fun to play like doom never gets old yeah it really doesn't it's kind of it it's really singular i mean those you know those games from then they all you know remember when they were called doom clones and not
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's right (laughs) the golden age is that what quake was yeah well quake was like a almost like a spiritual successor because it Mm -hmm. was like the same studio but they went from like sprites in 3D environments to 3D enemies in 3D
0: environments. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely that game that I uh, had to hide. You didn't want your parents yeah. to see It was like playing. the closest thing
2: to doing drugs you could do in elementary school. <laughs> it's like all the cool kids play Doom in their garages when the parents weren't
0: home. Oh, yeah. Love that game. Love that game. And the graphics, you know, like he's saying, you can still play it. I mean, the graphics are a little hard, but the still art totally is still so cool.
2: Yeah. Like the creature design, yeah, they've got, I, I think it was they uh, for some of the larger monsters, they had like clay figures they made. And took yeah. Stop motion yeah. shots of yeah, like Spider really? Mastermind and think the Cyber Demon, but all kinds yeah, of yeah. Um, I
3: think I think that's how it is for most of them. Maybe not the Pinky Demon, but you can you can definitely see when it's like a pixelized photo yeah, instead yeah. of just straight on sprite work. But um, it you know Doom is kind of a case, a good case for the theory of um good 2D work outlasts current 3d work no question yeah yeah because there's something so fun about that uh because they're basically 2d paper sprites walking around in a vaguely 3d world and it just looks yeah just i mean sure you know it it looks old but it doesn't look bad if you if you're okay if you're okay with uh, yeah, with a certain retro
1: aesthetic. You'd walk around and circle around a gun, and it would just sit there you can and still follow see you. <laughs> in the same angle. You know what
3: they yeah, call that? Yeah, all the all the bodies on the floor. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Alt they call intake, that imp's
2: old asshole to. syndrome. Because when you <laughs> kill an imp, you're always looking right between his legs. It's the same spot. Yeah. It's always crotch phase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Did you, any of you guys ever play uh, the first Jurassic Park game for the Super Nintendo?
2: Was it was that
0: Trespasser? No, it was just no, called Jurassic game, like, Park. Oh, I mean, no. when you uh, the majority of the game was just an overhead kind of RPG, like uh, Legend of Zelda kind of sure, a view. Sure. But when you went into like the command center, visitor center, any of those places, it went to that first person. Really? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Doom. Oh, that's Man, cool. I had no idea. Wow.
3: Okay. So you just like awoke like a weird, <laughs> cogwebbed this stage of a memory because i remember trespasser um but that that's a whole other thing yeah. but i i must have had a demo or some kind of shareware version of this other Jurassic game park that oh. <laughs> <Jurassic> park <laughs> game you're talking about because i just totally saw it in my head but i have no like real recollection of playing it
0: yeah, well, the dinosaurs were the same way that, you know, like the demons and it was stuff like two were in dimensional. Doom. But, yeah, you could go up to a... It felt so awesome back on the Super Nintendo because you'd go up to, like a, like, a computer console and it would jump to, like, seeing... Your hand with your index finger out, you can move it around and click these buttons. Like man, I'm doing some serious business here, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> boop, 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 that would have been it crazy that noise at the time. Though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like to see that based on you know different games like that to introduce that element. Oh yeah, it was an impossible game. I mean, there's no
0: save feature on it. <laughs> oh cool. <laughs> but um, so yeah, and you had like three lives, and the extra lives were just scattered around the park. So if you can avoid being eaten by raptors or T Rexes, you know, for an extended amount of time. You might survive, but <laughs> right. you have to but do it that in point, one scene. You know?
2: Yeah, I, oh that's rough.
0: Now Trespasser, that was a computer game. It was that was like a three D environment, right? But Yeah,
2: uh, and it was like impossible to play. They had this really interesting concept of like you It was were, like the could, other island from Jurassic Park. It was that and you were like controlling the main like the protagonist, her hand. Like the logic was her other arm was broken and whatever accident got her there. And so you just it had her in It
3: was a physics game before games could do physics. And like. They definitely
2: couldn't at that time. It was a <laughs> it was a really cool idea, but it oh was, man, it was
3: ambitious because yeah. um, if you think about like how things went, um, Half Life Two, you know, a, right, a right. bunch of years down the line, basically fulfilled that. But they kind of cheated because it used a disembodied gun <laughs> right. to move things around, Pretty
2: much. But without that, you know, for the inspiration, and, and I think. When they were developing the first Half-Life, someone at Valve said that Trespasser was one of their primary influences. It's a big deal. And I remember, you know, you've got this arm that's always sticking straight out, and you've got to, like, (laughs) physically grab keys and guns, and there was no ammo counter. She would just, like, vocalize how many rounds approximately you had left. Really? Yeah, but, like, it was so awkward. If you bumped into something, she'd usually drop what she had. So to open a door, if you had a gun, you had to, like, set it on the ground— Lift your arm straight up and like nudge your shoulder into the door until it opened <laughs> and then turn around and pick wow. it up. Wow. Oh, man. Pretty labor intensive. Yeah. I mean, it was a great concept. And there's an astounding amount of um, material in the game, like voiceovers from the actual actors and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, fleshing out the story, which is just awesome. But now,
0: talking about that game, Trespasser, when it came out, I think was somewhat of a bomb, right? I mean, a lot of people it, played it, but it's critically it tanked. tanked. Yeah. And uh, one of the early guests we had on the show, Derek Davis.
1: That's uh, yeah, I couldn't remember his name.
0: They he uh, took all the the audio clips of uh, was it John Attenborough or yeah, was that or Richard Attenborough? Richard Richard, Richard. Richard Attenborough. Yeah. Was it Richard or
2: James? David
3: Attenborough?
0: Yeah. David David. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the guy who played John Hammond.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, they got all his clips, uh, his audio clips from the game, and even some that weren't included in the game. He actually reached out to the uh, game creator. To uh, get the ones that weren't used in game, and took them and all, compiled them all into uh, the audio memoirs of John Parker Hammond called *Jurassic Time*. And what episode was that? Like, was I our...
2: here? Because that sounds really familiar. I feel like I was there. For... Uh,
0: I think oh. I've probably shown it to you, but oh, it was long be it. before you uh, came okay. to the show. But uh, man, it was a lot of fun. If you're a big Jurassic Park fan, it's a it's a good listen because it's it's like uh, John Hammond's son found his audio memoirs and. Uh, yeah, so you get to hear about before the park ever came mm-hmm, to be, yeah. like breeding that very first raptor and everything. Yeah. It was pretty darn cool.
2: So, hugely influential. Totally impossible. There's yeah. still people <laughs>
1: working on Trespasser, too. You can find
2: well, a bunch the of game, fan projects and stuff. Yeah,
1: they're trying to reskin it and oh, boy. make it work. No but, kidding. Yeah. More power, too. I mean,
3: it, was a, it was a project that was so. I think it's still ahead of its time because we've not Absolutely. really with all the with all the first person survival games about punching trees and <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> like running around naked in the woods like basically trespasser really was trying to do that stuff you know before any of that stuff was a twinkle in anybody's eyes
0: so, so uh, you you had bigger objectives than just shooting off dinosaurs right
2: right yeah you were I think more or less trying to escape. Yeah. Like I, I did not think you wanted to hang out there for long.
0: <laughs> but did you have to like feed yourself, clothe yourself, that kind of stuff? too I don't remember.
2: Or? I know you got to find a way. No, lot of key cards. there was It wasn't quite. <laughs> it was more like like
3: puzzly than survival-y, but it was like literally survival, you know, in that you were trying to not get eaten by dinosaurs.
2: And all the dinosaurs are like dead silent and hyper-aggressive, so they can come up on you from <laughs> nowhere. Right. You can just get... Oh, Do you remember
3: that the life bar is actually a <laughs> tattoo <laughs> on her chest, so you had to stare down into her cleavage... Her,
2: like, beautiful, pixelated... <laughs> <excited. laughs> Fives of polygons. <laughs> <guys>. So you <laughs> yeah, said I can still a, play this, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wife it it so What
0: are you
3: doing? Even as a kid, even as, like, a teenage boy, I was like, you guys, come on. <laughs> yeah. This is- this is ridiculous
0: <laughs> Bottle of lotion, wadded up Kleenexes And <laughs> Trespasser,
2: Saturday night plan That could be like an ad for Trespasser In a comic book Like a little two pages for <laughs> Trespasser On the screen, brought to you by Kleenex
0: Man, that was awesome I, I, I'd like to try that game, I've never we, played
2: it uh, Wouldn't it be cool if like the three of us tried desperately To play it, threw it up on a video or something mm, That'd be cool People would watch it I know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? We gotta do it 10, 12 people would be hey. awesome <laughs> More than what we're
1: used to. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Better than our ones of people's. Well, what about you guys? Uh, First-person shooters.
2: I, uh, I recently got Battlefield One. Oh, okay. You know, to go from you know classic to like most modern possible. You know, sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure the game's going to give me shell shock. <laughs> uh, is that right? It's really brutal and dirty and loud and crazy. And uh, I remember, for some reason, World War II shooters don't bother me because I feel like they've been happening for so long it's just like oh it's another world war 2 when they said it was going to be world war 1 I, I had this moment where i'm like oh. That's disrespectful to World War One, you know? Right. <laughs> and I ran with that for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. You've been playing, like, you remember Medal of Honor and the early Call oh, of Duties yeah. and mm. stuff? World War Two, yeah, ostensibly the more relevant conflict. You know? Right. But with uh, people who are still alive. Yeah, from seriously. It. You know, I think the number of World War One veterans out there is a little bit smaller. It's, it's a crazy game. It's the most, like, graphically stunning game I've ever seen. But they did something really interesting. In the loading screen, they have these little... I'm not going to say fun facts because they're not fun, but little, <laughs> <laughs> little factoids. Fun uh, facts on
3: World War One. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what gas did they use to
2: uh, – <laughs> Right. But pretty much it's, it's stuff like that. You know, how many people fought in such and such battle, what types of weapons for use, number of casualties. By the way, 60 million participants in World War I, 57 percent became casualties. Mm. So that's – Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but interesting stuff like that. And and you know how in Battlefront, when you're loading up the multiplayer, it takes you through your Darth Vader. You're just killing rebels. Oh, you mm-hmm. were telling me
1: about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've
2: got something similar that I played um, while I was loading up the multiplayer where it throws you into uh, an American soldier, Harlem Hellfighters, uh, holding back a German offensive. You're in the trenches. You're just gunning down whoever you can. Eventually, you get run through with a bayonet. And I'm like, oh, guess I reached the end. Then it zooms out, goes dark, gives a name. Of that soldier, but an actual soldier who served in that division. Time, date of birth, date of death, brings you to another soldier. You assume control, and you keep leapfrogging through people until you get through the sequence. Each time, showing you another person who died in that war. Wow! It was really, and and it was followed by a cutscene with this really nice like orchestral swell. And had uh, characters from their different campaign stories, and some, you know, mostly fictional, some historical. Lawrence of Arabia makes an appearance. It's, it's got emotional punch. I, I think it's a Really, really well crafted. That's interesting. Hmm, yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned the uh, Call of Duty games, like the original ones. It's funny yeah, yeah. how far cry they are from what we have now, you know, <laughs> like with Advanced Warfare. And uh, what's the new one? What's uh, the new one called? Infinite Warfare. Infinite, yeah. Ooh.
2: Jetpacks,
3: wall climbing and whatnot. I'm waiting for it to turn into like Warhammer 40,000, you know?
2: <laughs> and so. you know what? I'd buy that rather than that. <laughs> <I> <laughs> that's, would, that's what it would take uh, to sell me I again. I would
3: die if someone put as much budget and time into a Warhammer 40K game as they do a Call of Duty game. Oh
2: my God. Dude, I wouldn't be on this show again. I tell you that much. I not <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> did you play um, Space Marine, though? I did. So, it's like playable was, sugar.
3: For, for, for 10 minutes. Oh, sure. <laughs>
2: oh, I, <laughs> I, think didn't realize, I didn't realize yeah.
3: this is all I'm going to do. Yeah, the exactly...
2: loop burns out pretty fast. But for that yeah. little bit, you're like, oh, I once read a review of that game. I forget who it was, but all credit to you. You know who you are. Who said, um, uh, in Space Marine, when your health is low, you regain it by killing enemies in gruesome melee, you know, cinematic kills. Every game that doesn't have you regenerating health by killing enemies in melee needs to take a step back, look at Space Marine, and then fix their fucking game.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, the new Doom does that.
2: Yeah, it does. Oh my god. What
3: a great game! Oh wow, the new Doom is actually a space marine simulator. Like yeah. literally, literally, yeah. and also like 40k
2: idly. It's the closest to it anyone's ever been <laughs> to have that tactile pleasure of really? pulling a demon apart. Did I you didn't... get
1: health for doing that? You did do that. Yeah, huh? did. yeah that's, that's right. That's
2: how you get the health. Yeah, that's you can right. find some packs here and there if you're a little whoops. You gotta tear it out of your enemies.
1: <laughs> All I played was the demo and it was awesome. Yeah, I played so the demo, good. I think. I
0: just don't remember a lot about it. I yeah. just remember tearing pe- demons no. apart limb by limb. I having to run it.
1: around constantly. You couldn't stop yeah, or else. No they'd reload. Show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's like you intense. have bullets in your gun, why are they still there? Shoot them out of your gun.
1: I like that you rip a demons
2: apart for bullets. Yeah. It's like, a nice little dynamic.
3: It's almost like Diablo, where just like everything's got gold and swords in its guts. <laughs> right. But this time they're just the demons. The demons have come to our universe and they want our bullets. And they're just running around gobbling down like all of our ammo.
1: And you must save the universe by ripping
3: the bullets back out of the demons. A true hero. <laughs> At
1: least you Unload your bullets into the demon.
2: So you're just oh, going to you're get just them all back. back.
1: Yeah, I, you're just taking them back. You're not going to need these. Uh, oh, there you like that visible. makes
2: perfect sense yeah. when you fire yeah. your plasma rifle yeah. into the... Yeah. I guess I'll collect <laughs> this ionized gas and shove it back into the battery. Reaching the a little bit,
0: there, Reaching. It's the future.
1: It could
2: happen.
0: <laughs> oh, Lord. What about you, Jack? First-person shooters?
1: Full, well, this was uh, third person, but Full Spectrum Warrior for the oh, Xbox. Oh, I remember that. I never played that, that game, one. It was, you pretty much took command of four uh, soldiers, and it was like, uh, what was the squad Star Wars based. one? Yeah, it was a squad-based shooter, but it was like a Republic Commando, kind of, where yeah. you tell your guys where to go, and they okay. would sit and hold down and cover fire. It was awesome. The only bad part was the ending. There was really no ending. I remember beating it, and it was done, and I was like oh
3: sweet <laughs> yeah that's it okay. i guess that's
1: realistic because yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember, <laughs> you no, right? guess you finished your mission that Chokes was it, on you
2: war never ends
1: i had no idea that that was like the last mission or anything i remember killing the last bunch of guys and it was done and i was like "Huh." that's
0: how i felt <laughs> with uh, halo 2 i remember like yeah, oh, yes. being oh, there for God, the midnight yeah. release and getting it and coming home and playing i don't know for a couple hours and when it was over, I was so pissed off. Like, <laughs> I waited so long just for this little tiny bit. I'm, like, like being baby spoon-fed
1: this game, you know? That happened when I got the Master Collection, because like, I was playing through the first one, got through the second one, and was like, all right, the ending. Well, that was the ending. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's over. <laughs> well, time to
0: start you the third it, one, I guess. It was
2: cool, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great game, mind <laughs> yeah, you, but sure, uh, you know. too short, far too short. Yeah. You guys remember, uh, I think it was on PS2, uh, Co-op Navy SEALs.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Co-op. Was it- I thought it was called Co-op Navy SEALs. It was Socom? like. SOCOM? Oh, okay. SOCOM. <laughs> SOCOM Navy SEALs. Thank you. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, cool. it was, I think, the first like actual voice command kind of. Like, what you I mean, want to call it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> again, it was a little bit uh, too ambitious, probably. But I was so excited to bring this thing home, hook it up. And I'm like, you know, fall back. And these guys... Go ahead, and you just run out. <laughs> no, come on Two
3: back. minutes later. Two minutes later. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: After half of them been mulched by machine gun nests, one
1: like, mission we'll being the stealthy as possible. We finally get to one spot that I had never made it before, and I wanted them to move forward. And all of a sudden, you hear a grenade fall down at our feet. Yeah. <laughs> God! You idiots. <laughs> the game really taught you how to enunciate. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that helped me. <laughs> I, I just,
0: boy, did I try with that game. I wanted it to work so bad. But I think you could unplug the headset and, like, just so on you your controller, yeah. give the commands. Yeah. Yep. Still a fun game, though.
1: Or oh, I think I still have that. I'll have to no kidding. Dust off the PS2 one day.
0: That was back in the day when, as soon as I was done with the game, I was trading it in for something else. <laughs> I don't have anything <laughs> left from those days. Now you can't really get anything for you get four dollars yeah. yeah. game last year.
2: <laughs> we'll give you a dollar and a smack on the ass for it. <laughs> yeah, right. See, I remember I brought a game in once. It was like last year. He's like, "All right, I can give you eighty nine cents or a dollar twenty five store credit." I'm like, "All right, sweet. I guess I'll just shove it up my ass and walk home." <laughs> what do you want from me, man? You want right. me to go back in time to when it was worth more? Give me like five bucks. Right. I, so they I, can turn around and sell it for here. five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, this new game, a used game for ten bucks. We bought off some schmuck
2: for fifty cents. Yeah. Just punched him in the face and ran off with it. Gamestop.
0: <laughs> what about you, Michael? Other games come to mind?
2: Well,
3: talking about uh, trading in games. I so I grew up in Thailand and we pirated every single thing. But we, um, it was like almost a legitimized pirating where because a lot of games weren't getting localized to. Thailand the only way to play a lot of them was to buy them from pirates and pirates basically had full stores inside of inside of malls
0: no kidding
3: well, there, so well, a need, if you I wanted to you. play on a ps2 though you would first have to get your ps2 modded the store would do that for you You'd bring your ps2 in they'd install like a pirate chip into it and then you're good to go wow and then games be what 40 baht they started off really cheap. They got more expensive the years went on, but they were probably about three dollars a game. Wow, oh, man, that's crazy. And this is, I, know, I, I mean, these days though, like everyone's wised up, and now now actually a lot of those old pirate stores because there would be whole sections of malls dedicated to these like little pirate stores, and they'd all be super competitive. Oh, here's the other thing: um, you would order your games through like leaf through pamphlets, so they would have like books or empty cases. Because it was, it was illegal, and so they couldn't keep those discs on premises. So you would uh, place your order, and they'd tell you to come back in 15 to 20 minutes as they sent a the runner to probably some like <laughs> truck, truck or uh, car trunk and would come back with your discs.
2: But uh wow. I bet that was a pretty exciting 15 or 20 minutes, though, where you're just like buzzing with <laughs> anticipation. <laughs> yeah.
3: And, uh, you know, we'd come I would come home with like 10 games at once. So I got to just like because it was so cheap, you know, we just sampled everything Sounds back like then. A bodega. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just going down to the local going down to the local
2: it's kind of for some awesome that like the necessity of it spawned that whole little industry i mean it's not cool that it had to happen but you know the ingenuity of it <laughs> you're like all right well let's legitimize this this is the situation god bless those pirates man yeah
3: <laughs> they were they were doing good work because the only way we couldn't really like get games back then back then but um now they're they're all disappearing now and more legitimate stores are popping up because like there's actual distribution channels and stuff and of course online has just done a, oh yeah it's sure. just changed anything anyway so Damn but yeah it's interesting <laughs> as i understand it like that's how um the guys who made the witcher game cd project that's how they started out too no nope kidding all, wow. the, that's why they're called cd project oh that makes
2: sense wow, because it's a shame they, they didn't did the really go anywhere
3: No one was getting, no one was making games to sell in Poland and no one was localizing Polish games. So they would download and then burn onto CDs games so that people could actually buy them and play them and then became like the game publisher for Poland at some point. Now they're just printing money. Yeah, now they're now they're a national treasure. Now now Obama's
2: got a copy of The Witcher.
3: <laughs> right, seriously.
2: <laughs> Which, by the way, guys, oh my god, how good is The Witcher?
3: I'm literally playing it right now. I mean, okay, I if I weren't if I wasn't talking to you guys, I'd be playing it right uh, now. It's but the greatest.
2: I've just seen I, stuff of it. I haven't played it. Maybe too much. maybe don't even start. No, it's the, just uh, <laughs> risk it's of devastating. alienation. No idea life. what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. The no newest one three? 3, is it? Three, yeah. yeah. Oh, good lord. What is Witcher? Come on.
2: Witcher, he's is... uh he's a mutated mercenary who hunts monsters and society hates him but they need him. So, they it's a and... fantasy. It's a
3: fantasy low fantasy role-playing game where you play Geralt of Rivia, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who is yes, a mutated monster hunter. Who just happens to be dead sexy and just walks oh. around. <laughs> My boy walks gets. Walks around loud. growling. That's being like cool
2: a and gameplay sexy. mechanic. He's got the graveliest voice in the world. Like, I'm Gerald. I heard you got a monster pro. I'll do it for 500 gold. And for some reason, every bar wench for miles is just like, Gerald, we need you. I don't understand what his appeal <laughs> is, but oh, such great games. Maybe he has
0: ammo and gold in his guts. Yeah, he has know? something like that.
2: <laughs>
3: Okay, there's actually like a nerdy, weird reason. So, witchers are sterile, so they can't have. Oh yeah, uh, he doesn't even
2: need it. Yeah.
3: But I think they are also resistant to diseases. So oh, that too. They, they're perfect for
1: flings. That makes sense. Oh, they're just a good time. They, and all those potions and stuff they're sucking
2: down. down. They've got to have like pheromones and shit like that going on. I I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> Especially those cat school witchers, those slippery bastards.
0: i have to look into
2: this. Everyone knows Griffin School's the best, whatever. <laughs> oh my
0: God. A bit of arrogance floating to the room here. <laughs> yeah, <air>. A bit. <laughs> if we met. Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to check that no, out. It's super I've
2: cool. never even heard of it. You better dedicate a year of your life to it, though. It's, it's
3: been so out for about a year now, isn't it? A little more, right? yeah. Was it? Yeah. It took just me. I, just, I knew it was going to be like a... Life ending yeah, game. I've never seen this. Especially this third to one is an open world that's just so big and so insanely well drawn, to use a term like, like, man, it's a gorgeous game. And I don't understand. I keep looking at it, and I know that this game basically had an entire country's pride riding on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. I don't understand how they. When you look at a game like Skyrim, any, any the game, it's like gorgeous but you can see that they had to nip and tuck and compromise oh, sure. a bunch of things in order to make a game that size, which is understandable, and I don't begrudge them for it. I love Bethesda games, but Witcher doesn't really have those nip and tucks. Not so much. Like, it's weirdly just, just, seamless. The faces, like, the face, the, anim- the animation on the characters, the voice acting, the just anything. The whole world. Like, it's just so well drawn so well put together that um, it kind of blows everything else out of the water and it's really difficult to figure out how they could have pulled this off without I don't know yeah anyways the
2: the (laughs) only thing that really kind of takes me out of the game graphically is that the wind is like really strong all Even the time. when you're indoors, his hair is always like blowing crazy. <laughs> to one side. It's like Kevin like sorbo. That's just, that's just that picture
3: of huh? sexiness, you know. Oh, really, he
2: just brings his little part zephyr of the with it. Is that he always looks like he, the wind is blowing through his hair? It's no wonder all these peasants are miserable. They're. Probably all got hypothermia.
0: That's funny you say that, Kevin Sorbo. Like, even indoors, it's like feathers are just blowing everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
3: My God, it's a Hercules simulator. That's
2: gotta be it.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. That's what we need the Hercules simulator. All right, well, I think that'll do it for this segment. We're running a little long, but, man, that was a a good conversation. (laughs) I'm going to have to check out Witcher there. Oh, dude. That sounds awesome.
1: Damn open-world games. (laughs) I don't have time to do all of them. Seriously?
0: Not fair. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, with that, let's jump into the comic dump bin here. Who would like to go first this week?
3: Uh, I can go. I got to continue on the low-fantasy you know, swords and swashbuckling thing from The Witcher. Uh, I just read Headlopper by Andrew Mac- Andrew McLean. Yes, Andrew McLean, published by Image. Um, the comic ran as a quarterly. I think actually came out as like a double double issues, but I got the trade recently. And it's a uh, it's about it's it's called Headlopper, and it's about the Headlopper who is just the big burly bearded norse viking dude who just runs around like cleaving like bus-sized wolves in twain <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's got a real fun like a uh, light and breezy art style that kind of actually works with the like super action Tone of super action, Barbet Conan the Barbarian. Tone of the comic kind of keeps it from being too like rawr, grim, and gritty. But uh, yeah, it's really good. Andrew is like really great action artist. Man, hit
2: lopper by Andrew McLean. That's a name that sticks with you.
1: Yeah, you know what he does. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yep. He fixes yep. cars. <laughs> 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 so,
1: uh, but it. Yeah, night. he
2: fights <laughs>
3: undead giants at some point. Undead giants that eat the ghosts of dead kings. So there you go. No, you that, can't go that wrong. Just, that, that
2: really can't go off wrong. A lot of boxes on things. <laughs> that he also, Jake.
3: he also carries around the severed head of a witch, the un, un, undying witch who just like who just talks shit to him the entire time. It's not really clear why he keeps her head <laughs> around, but she's but the part of the main plot is that the bad guy wants the head, so so he starts messing with head lopper shit.
2: Man, I, I think you guys can guess what I'll be bringing to the dump bin next week. Yeah, because that <laughs> sounds awesome.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: oh, man, I can't wait to hear more about that. One. Yeah, That's, seriously, man, awesome, man. All right, uh, I think I'll go next really quick here. Like, oh, you think you will? I think I will. Yeah, you know what? I offered the first spot, and you just <laughs> yeah. sat there like a
1: fucking bump on a log. So you know what?
2: Well, pardon
1: me for not shit. wanting
2: to be over eager. So the book I, I brought this week. Shut the hell up, Jack. <laughs> We're having an argument.
1: Okay,
0: so the uh, comic I'm going to be talking about this week is an independent comic online here that I think we'll be able to even uh, post. i got to check with uh, Jeff to make sure it's okay. I don't know if this is just something he sent us to look at or if this is open to the public, but I think it's open to the public. Uh, last week we had Jeff McClellan on, who's the uh, writer of the Tick comic, and one of the things we didn't get to talk about because we ran out of time was a comic called Eat It, the Weird Owl Zombie Origin Tale. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. With me. I Perus did not them.
1: through doing the website this week, cracking up.
0: Yeah, it was funny. And uh, like I said, it's done by uh, Jeff McClellan, Jeff McComsey, and Jim McMune. So the, obviously there's a criteria here to uh, be a part of this mm. uh, project. What this comic is, is, it starts with two guards, and uh, one's showing up to his shift, and he goes, hey, the other's like, what are you doing here? He goes, you know, we were told we need two, uh, two guards to guard the kid we have locked up in this studio here. Well, what's going on? So apparently they're like, uh, well, this it's this kid, this uh, this Al Yankovic, and uh, he came into the studio the other day and just started attacking uh, the on-air, on-air host. Uh, I guess they're backstage at a Knack a concert? Is that what I, I was to understand I didn't, it catch, like? I
1: didn't read too much into it. I was just reading stuff here and there just to get an idea what the what the book was about.
0: Yeah, it looks like they're uh, backstage where the Knack is about to play. So you hear the Knack... Take uh, the stage, and um,
1: soon oh, as, that's right, yeah. as
0: soon as they do, they start playing like My Sharona, yeah. which sets off this weird owl zombie. <laughs> so he he busts out of this room, rushes out on stage while they're in mid-song, and just starts devouring the band, just eating them up. Mm-hmm. And then after he does, he starts singing,
1: My, my, my Bologna.
0: Yeah, My Bologna, there <laughs> yeah. you go, thank you. Which obviously is one of his hits. And it goes on to say that, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of running rampant. And the kids love him. They, the kids think it's a, a shtick, you know, it's part of the show, but he's really going around devouring all these rock and pop stars. <laughs> and when he does, he then takes their song and turns it into his own. You know, for instance, obviously the neck, My Sharona, you know, then he eats up Freddie Mercury and he starts another one, rides the bus. Uh, Joan Jett, I love Rocky Road. <laughs> Reading this comic took me back To, to my youth like li- All the Weird Al albums listening to uh, Stevie Nicks stopped dragging my car around Oh god <laughs> I forgot about that one yeah. but it, it's, The
2: height of comedy
0: Right uh, But it's a lot of fun I love the art in it uh, All around just a fun comic uh, But at the end it's like they are trying to catch him So they set up Michael Jackson with a bunch of like zombie dancers, like they're they're filming what appears to be a fake video, like they're going to attempt to catch him. in the In the process of filming it, Weird Al comes on. Weird Zombie Al, pardon me, comes on to set there, and they're like, "Oh man, here he is!" And Michael Jackson's like, "Don't worry, guys, I got this. I got this." <laughs> Did you like that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking should have really prepared. What he could have really done to do anything.
0: Well, it looks like he, his hat. Like he's wearing his smooth criminal outfit here, and he takes his hat off and he throws it and beheads all these other zombies trying to take out Weird Al. And when he does, Weird Al ducks under and he's like, "Ham hey, on!" You know, from the what is it, fat? I think. Yeah, yeah. And then as he dives at him, he says, "Ham hey, on whole wheat," and just devours Michael Jackson's head, and then. Last panel, he looks at the camera and says, eat it. It was just a lot of fun. I I love Weird Al. I mean, who doesn't like Weird Al, right? And uh, I wanted to talk about it last week, and obviously we didn't get to. So check it out. I think we'll uh, maybe tweet the link out so people can also check it out. But uh, a lot of fun.
1: Weird Al Zombie Origin Tale. There's the link to it on the website, too, from last episode. Oh, okay, cool. cool. It'll take you right to where you're at. Perfect. So check it out, people.
2: I will go next. Okay. Because, uh, guys, this is weird. This is super weird. I've got The Hyperkind uh, by Clive Barker, written by Clive Barker. He didn't do everything. Um, Oh, dudes. I've got so many questions after reading this. (laughs) And I'll admit, this is like the second issue of several, so I haven't read the first. They gave me a quick recap of the first, and uh, it didn't help. So what we've got is this really, really bizarre team of superheroes named... uh, We've got... Bliss, who's like your Jean Grey looking figure. She's got like a super revealing silk outfit thing and she's psychic and she crawls inside people's heads and I think she's telekinetic. Um, (laughs) We've got a a guy that looks like a desaturated Iron Man named Logix with an X. (laughs) He's got like a very Iron Man looking face, but his body just has this kind of generic circuitry pattern that is also on like his big wavy cloak for some reason. Uh, there's a woman in gold armor named Armada, but it's spelled with a T instead of a D, so I guess it's a playoff Armada, and then her name. Oh, God. And then there's this guy <laughs> named Amok, with two Ks because it's super badass. Now, imagine like Beast from X Men, mm-hmm. but get this, all right? He's red. You still oh, with me? I'm with you. Okay, Peace. also, his forearms are swords and he doesn't have hands. Mm. (laughs) a The world's most capable superhero. Right? I don't know who dresses him, but whatever. (laughs) And apparently, um, these were four mild-mannered teenagers who were caught in some radiation blast, whatever, when a previous superhero team was disbanded. And here on the cover, it says, they never knew how their powers changed them or what price they would pay. Now, finally, that knowledge will come too late, question mark? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I know. Intrigue. He got my attention. And the issue starts with Armada as like a desiccated corpse in her own armor, and they're trying to find a way to bring her back, um, which ended up being through, oh, God, bear with me, a nursery rhyme embedded in the repressed memories of Bliss who had to psychic her own brain and remember that as a child she was molested by her father? Whoa. And I, yeah, it just comes out of nowhere, and they don't really handle it with any degree of respect. It's just like, hey, remember when this shit happened? It's like, what the f- what's the point? And so she remembers this nursery rhyme she used to sing to herself um, to block out the memories, which also ends up being the secret phrase that will lead them on a treasure hunt to the lair of the superhero team that disbanded that they're replacing. And it's just like they're going through this nursery rhyme. And they're like, oh, I know. I've put the clues together. It must be the Griffith Observatory up on such and such. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, that this 100-year-old <laughs> nursery rhyme would just pertain to some observatory in Los Angeles. I don't know. It's so weird. And uh, I just want to take a moment to talk about Logics, their robot guy. Mm-hmm. He's got all these powers, quote unquote, but they're just totally meaningless. Like at one point, they need to find out whether Armada is still alive or not and so like bliss probes her mind she's like yeah she's still th- she's conscious or she's unconscious but she's still alive and then logic scans her with his magical eye vision he's like there's a minute movement of the carbon dioxide molecules around her mouth she's she's still alive he's like yeah thanks logics we figured that out you just did the most complicated process imaginable just to find out she's science. still breathing yeah <laughs> right. and then at some point they're lost so he like throws his cape up in the air he's like i'm electrically charging my cape to make a compass like oh that technology we've had since the 1400s you know it's just all this stuff oh it's Guys. A it technological was, hindsight kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> um, I can do that with a paper clip in water and water. Seriously, rub it in my pants. I don't need
2: to be a written knockoff Iron Man. It's, it was a lot of fun though, just because it's so utterly zany and kind of poorly done. I feel like I'm a big Clive Barker fan, so this is weird for me.
0: So I wonder if these characters were done just for this story arc, or if these are pre-existing characters like an ongoing I, story arc.
2: I believe these four are an ongoing thing. Really? Yeah because yeah ugh. <laughs> hey if you get the ch- I almost wish we had like a larger listener base just so we could get like one person comment on this episode or something it's like actually the hyperkind was very ahead of its time <laughs> if you read between the lines like, no it's it's odd and it's hard to follow and it's, it's just crazy wow a lot of fun though
0: well, cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. And I appreciate
2: I you it. letting me borrow it, right? Because you got it in your big box from the... Oh, I don't want it. It's ra- yours. Okay, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read it. In case I need to start a fire later. You just I'll told me everything under about the logs. It. <laughs> there you
1: go. All right, and then there was Jack. I've got Elena Divinity Rising. Uh, I looked into it, and it's only got two... It came out in two, 2014, and it's only got two issues, so I don't know if they aren't finishing it. Okay. But, uh... It's done by Darren Pierce and Stuart Jeanette. They both wrote it and drew it, I believe it is, on the inside, it says. Artwork written, created, written, and the artwork's done by Stuart. Um, basically, it's. it starts out, there's a CIA uh, mission going on in the middle. Helicopters flying in the city, and they're sitting there getting ready to do this big sting, talking to the agents on the ground. One of them is a the girl, Elena. She's walking down the street, talking about having a headache. Uh, The guys on the radio in Mission Control are telling them, you know, don't make a move against the enemies that they're looking for because they're trying to figure out what's going... There's there's something going down. You don't know really what's going on. There's another guy named Alex. He's on the road, too, looking for any kind of weird happenings going on. He ends up seeing a homeless man walking, and they're like, well, you know, don't make your move. Don't make your move. Follow him. Then it goes to a flashback of... The girl Elena, she's back in Russia. Apparently she was a science, like a science experiment that they were doing all kind of testing weird stuff to her that she can telekinetically read electronic devices. She's, later on in the story, you find out that there's a bomb and she's able to find out where the bomb is, like a passcode to disarm the bomb, but that doesn't really work. The, the bomb blows up and you find out later on that the enemies are actually her mother that was... Her, her mother and father were ex-KGB agents And they're like the head of this huge Russian uh, spy Company that's going on against them uh, It's pretty neat out there
2: huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A but glowing they're endorsement like a, yeah,
1: <laughs> they're, they're like a teenagers and the CIA's Using them and they've got special powers It really doesn't go into much of her powers And background other than she was a kid And the KGB was using her To do experiments and the hmm. Americans came and took her Sounds interesting, though. It is. It's pretty neat. It's on Comicsology. I'll have to throw a link up on it. What t- was it
0: called one more time?
1: Elena Divinity Rising.
2: Very cool. I'm still waiting to see a paycheck. I mean, they lifted all those details right from my autobiography. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep waiting there, Jake. Yeah, I know. Keep waiting. All right. Very successful comic dump, Ben, I'd say. What do you guys say? Sure. Mm. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our attention over to Michael and talk about his book, Fathoms, The Art of Michael Manimivable. Thanks again for being with us, Michael.
3: Yeah, thanks again for having me.
0: So, man, uh, Evan sent this over to us and just thumbing through it. This is gorgeous freaking art. I tell, Can you tell us anything about this book and uh, your illustrations?
3: Sure. So, uh, Fathoms is a collection of my art from the last six years. Um, pretty much, pretty much sums sums up my career so far, which is a weird thing to be able to say. But um, but I, you know, earlier this year, or late, late last year, I was like, all right, it's time. I love art books. Like they're they're the thing. I art books and comics books in general, I uh, just adore, and it's like my foremost collectible thing. So I've always wanted to have a book of my own. So I decided this year I would uh, kickstart this thing, and um, yeah, put together, collected, collected as much of the work. Now the work is everything from six years, but it's not. It's what I like to say is it's every important piece from the last six years. It's not literally every piece from the last six years, and it's not necessarily the best of my work anymore. But the idea of the book is that it that it showcases like the artistic journey you know my artistic journey from um post art school graduation to being a professional a working professional
0: man and i'd say that your book probably overshadows a lot of the books that you've collected i mean this is some gorgeous freaking stuff here like i uh, a few that pop out to me there was one of david bowie i'm assuming you did that uh, right after he passed away
3: yeah um, weird, weird thing is that actually we it was for a David Bowie tribute art show. and the weird thing is that we actually um, had started planning the art show late last year back when we all figured that Bowie would live forever. But <laughs> right. um, But then you know the year turned and the news came out and we were like, oh shit, like damn. Maybe we should cancel the show. Maybe this is, like, too ghoulish to, like, we'd look like we'd be taking advantage of it. Ultimately, we decided just to go bigger, and we, we found an, all, an all-lady an all Bowie cover band. And wow. we got a bigger, we found a bigger venue for the show, and any um, all-prints and merchandise proceeds uh, were donated to, like, uh, cancer research charities and stuff. Nice. But,
0: Man, what a but yeah, that, that
3: piece was for that show. Wow. So
0: do you, I mean, do you strictly just do these illustrations for yourself and for your own books and like art shows like this, or do you do illustratings for comics or other books?
3: I've done, I've done really a little bit of everything. Um, the book Fathoms is probably mostly personal work just because as far as like creative progress goes, you know, when you do something that's just for you it's usually when you make the most headway that's not exclusively true and there's plenty of uh, commissioned work inside that book as well but um yeah i do a little bit of everything i mostly have worked in book publishing illustration so i did the Princess bride's 30th anniversary edition oh, book. i'm looking princess at that princess right Bride now. Oh, awesome. are you yeah Um, yeah in the book is actually the the component it's wesley and buttercup they're separate paintings but for the cover those are the cover images and for the cover i actually uh, digitally composited them together that way if if anything happens in terms of like people like the client having requesting changes i didn't have to repaint the whole image i could just repaint individual characters from the cover Mm but um so yeah i did the did the illustrated edition for the princess bride that's the cover and 50 interior illustrations for the book Uh, i've done a little bit of comic book comic book covers here and there for idw kind of a while ago now and i've done a tiny bit of my own sequential comic book work too that's something i'm really working on now actually um if you look at my style it's very thought out and labor intensive Which makes me a very slow comic artist, but (laughs) um, that's something that I've been working on because it's, you know, ultimately I want to tell my own stories and you know basically go go behind be be behind every part of the book, and that includes writing. So that's something I'm working on as well, learning to write better. Well, it looks
0: awesome, man I mean, what we've seen thus far, I cannot wait to see it And when I first saw Fathoms, a lot of the illustrations in it I don't know if you've ever heard of this book It's an image book called Low, have you ever heard of it?
3: Yeah, yeah, I
0: love Low It really reminded me of that Where do you pull a lot of inspiration? I mean, there's a definite theme going on uh, with your with your art here You see a lot of like uh, like old uh, scuba diver Maybe not scuba diver What would you call this kind of a suit here? Deep, uh, sea it, yeah, deep, sea deep sea diver. Deep sea
3: divers. is what most people will say. The technical term a lot of times is a standard suit diving. They're okay. called the the standard suits. Like yeah, I'm not sure what the provenance for all that is, but but um yeah, you know, I grew up um just obsessively watching National Geographic specials and mm-hmm. anything I could, I could that was about the ocean, you know, like we all, we all have our thing when we're a kid. Yeah, uh, right. The ocean and nights, that was a thing for me too. A lot of our theory and stuff. So it's you'll find a lot of that in the books. Yeah, the ocean was like another world that you can visit. Like most of us will never get to space. But anybody can dip their toes in the ocean. Anyone can go for a swim. And you can, for a brief moment, be in another world. And with with things that are so far removed from any existence we know right like, and that's just on our planet you know like that's the funny thing we know more about the moon than we know about the ocean <laughs> about
2: the bottom of the ocean so and weird that... abyssal creatures and trench dwelling nematodes or you know just all kinds of life of ugh.
0: Well, wasn't it's that kind of the, uh, the story with the coelacamp? I mean, the reason it was thought to be extinct is because it can only survive so deep, like where the pressure is too, so intense. If it comes up out of that one, pressure, yeah. it dies and then just, you know, flows. To the it's crazy. I mean, you, you can't possibly imagine what's even deeper, you know, where we can't
2: venture. I can't imagine. Oh, your tube worms and all kinds of bizarre like stream bacteria. There's
0: just something like massive, like bigger than Nessie <laughs> yeah, down there. you know? Uh, yeah. Wait, wait,
2: wait the bloop. Right? The bloop? The you're... bloop, yeah. yeah.
3: It's uh, it's a sound that some undersea m- microphones recorded, like, I think maybe in the 70s or the 80s. They said that the signature of it looks biological. I'm pretty sure these days now they've figured it out that it was like a um, an iceberg calving, which is like breaking off of a, a larger ice mass even if that is disappointing, it's still amazing because they say that the ice that had to break off of that was like the size of Manhattan. Oh Oh
0: my
2: God.
3: That's even so even if it's not a giant animal, it's still something as a natural event. It was still
2: the the scale of it is astounding.
3: Yeah.
0: Now you had mentioned that uh, you have some comic ideas or a comic project in Canon. Is there anything you can divulge on that project?
3: There's a piece that I have called um, The Halloween Knight. It's in the book. And it's, it's, it's an image of a, a young boy um, dress, dressed up as a knight for Halloween. Like he's wearing a bicycle helmet that has like a tin foil knight's visor on it. And he's wearing a towel as a cape. Um, and he's standing underneath a street light and behind him is like in the darkness oh, or just, the darkness yeah. is a dragon. And the idea for the piece is, you know, like, just the, the byline I like to use is, just because you're pretending doesn't mean you're pretending to be brave. And um, there's something about that piece that even for me still resonates, and I've wanted to um, turn that piece into a full story. My idea being, like... Something between a children's book and a graphic novel. You know, I like to think—actually, I, w- I was talking to publishers about it, and when I told them about the format, I was thinking, of, you know, they were like, this is not a category that exists. I was <laughs> uh, like, why? Comics are the perfect reading entry for kids like something something in between the something to step over the idea of a picture book and into not to say this is like my idea is wholly unique or that the format would be wholly unique but yeah i want to i want to make i want to make a children's book comic
2: out of it basically. it makes sense yeah. to me
0: how many great works of art, whether it be music or illustration, have you heard that have come to fruition with? They started with people saying, "You can't do that. Uh, yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> that won't work." It always work. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Man, you are onto something here. This is some gorgeous work. I can't get over it. It's,
1: it's, it's beyond beautiful here. I can't stop looking at Unicron.
2: I know. That's <laughs> you got me
1: sold on the picture of Unicron. <laughs>
3: That piece, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm Asian, so, and I grew up with Transformers and lots of robots. And growing up in Asia, too, you know, I had just, like, robots everywhere. But I always felt like I couldn't draw robots. I was like, I'm the worst, I'm the worst uh, Asian artist. I can't draw my, I can't draw robots. So I, I did Unicron. I did Unicron as a way to, uh, to disprove that to myself. I actually, I don't know if you guys ever heard of uh, Inktober. Yes, I, I sounds, sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's an it's it was started by one guy, one artist, amazing guy named um, Jake Jake Parker, and it's just as like a self-disciplined exercise. Every day of October, he would do a new ink drawing. Oh yes
0: yeah. on perfect. top
3: of his the other his other work, and it's really become an actual bonafide global phenomenon now. I think he's we've been doing it for like. It's been going on for like six or seven years now, five or six years now, um, and every year thousands of artists, you know, participate, and I'll try to um, do an ink drawing every day. And last year I put out uh, 30, 30 robot portraits of I called them, and I put them into a zine called Mecca My Heart, but it was, like, <laughs> it was it was everything, you know, it was like. From Pat Labor to Data, from Star Trek: Next Generation. Nice. Data was my ending point. You know, it was kind of like, all right, this is, this is, this is the robot that wishes more than anything to to have humanity. You know, and that I was like, I'll oh, use. He's my like uh, stepping stone back into the fleshy world of being human. But beyond that, there was like, you know, there was a uh, stuff from stuff from Robotech, Macross, and. Transformers, Optimus Prime, and just just any any and all robots. I found myself fond of, you know,
2: growing yeah. up. You're speaking the, my language, yeah, because I love me all things mechanical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wasn't it you that actually wished you could be a mech?
2: Oh, in an instant. Yeah, <laughs> you got to transfer your brain, but the process takes 36 hours and it's agonizing. Like, shut up, do it. <laughs> We're wasting time.
3: The uh, that old Transformers movie, you know, from oh, eighty. Yeah. 86 I think uh, that, that took place in 2015 I'm, I think and I'm like, where? Where are they? Why haven't they come yet? Keep breaking a my lie? heart. scared them away.
2: <laughs> you can dare to be stupid. That's for us. Yeah, that's from the movie, go. too. Okay, yeah. yes. I shouldn't have explained it. I, I didn't give you enough credit. This
0: guy here. This guy here. You've got the touch.
2: <laughs> oh, my, I'm going to have to oh, watch that I forgot that about that song.
0: Guess what's ending this episode. Uh, yes.
3: Awesome.
0: <laughs> Michael, where can people go to check out your work?
3: You can go to MikeManoArt.com. So that's uh, Mike and then Mano, M-A-N-O, com. Awesome.
0: And we'll certainly have links for that on the website uh, as well as some of your illustrations. Now, you're also on social media, right?
3: Yep. Yeah. It's uh, MikeManoArt on pretty much any social media you care to use.
0: Well, we're definitely going to have to get you added on ours. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait. You you keep it uh, posted pretty regular. I like. I'm so excited to see uh, what you have coming up.
3: Oh, definitely. I'm I'm always always trying to keep the the output going. You know. Sweet,
0: awesome man. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun, Michael. I want to thank you so much uh, for being with us today and you know sharing your beautiful art with us.
3: Yeah, thanks again for having me, guys. It was a uh, super fun. You, if you get me started on video games, it
2: usually gets <laughs> pretty hard to stop.
0: Too. I think when we have you back on, I know what we'll be talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah, then
2: we're gonna have to talk. Okay, <laughs> we're just gonna change the episode to be three distinct retro roundtables about different types of games. Hey, I'm
0: behind that. I'm the I'm, game I is so right. There you go. Yeah, the Witcher. The
3: Witcher.
2: The Witcher. So we will
3: just <laughs> talk about Trespasser Zone. <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> so how yeah, about yeah. those? If, I'm, if I'm not drawing, I'm probably
3: reading or playing about games. So. Nothing wrong with that mountains. So, you know
0: Well, we're looking forward goes. to it, man I can't wait Well, thanks again, Michael
3: Yeah, thanks so much,
1: guys Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candarepodcast.com You can see, see, show highlights, guest info Listen to the show Follow us on all our social media Visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice Check out some of our videos from our YouTube page And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work Send us an email on our contacts page
0: don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Can underscore air. Or don't forget to listen to the show on uh, YouTube as well. We are now on YouTube. If uh, you know you don't have a podcast player, you have a YouTube player, people. Come on. We know you do. Yeah. Uh, the Show Us Your Cans contest is still going. We have, what, a couple of weeks a couple left on that?
2: Yep. Let's see them. Let's see your Let's cans. see
0: those cans. Yeah, just get on our website and download the uh, Canned Air can label, print it out. You can wrap it around a can, or you can just cut it out and wrap it in a circle, take a, some cool pictures of it with some, uh, I don't know, be creative, and then uh, send us your pictures. Hashtag, here's my can, and you are entered to win a bunch of comics. What, like 13 comics, 13 uh, t-shirts, t-shirt, stickers? Yeah. You can't go wrong. Yeah. You can't go wrong. And uh, before we end really quick, I want to give a quick shout-out. Uh, we were just recently in the Columbus Alive uh, newspaper, which was quite an honor for us. I uh, so excited. Uh, yeah, we had yeah. a whole page spread. It was uh, one of five podcasts. Yeah. I mean, what a freaking honor, right? Yeah. But in doing so, we've uh, been connecting with other podcasts in the area. And one that uh, came to, they reached out to us today, a great show called uh, In the Record Store. I uh, got to listen to a few episodes today Not in depth But what I heard was a lot of fun If you're a fan of music You're going to love these guys It's a bi-weekly podcast What they do Are they take uh, Columbus musicians Have them on the show Get them some exposure And also play their music on the show, which is really what I
1: was wanting to do oh, it was with so this funny show. funny when I saw right. that because I was like, "That's exactly what this <laughs> one was supposed
0: to." Be. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I didn't know how to go about it. So I'm glad these guys did. So uh, again, a great show. Intherecordstore.com. Check them out. Um, I'm going to be listening to
2: more of them. That's for sure. So, uh, anything else, guys? Help control the pet population. Have your pet spayed. Oh, oh, Bob Barker! Bob. Here. Like, oh hey. man, well, I got to applaud you. that. Thank that, you. Was that was gorgeous. I thought awesome. about that like halfway through the show. <laughs> I'm like, Will I remember? <laughs>
3: That's not a regular thing. That should be a regular thing. I think it will be
0: You're
1: now. You're
2: totally right. Yeah. All right. Punsel it
1: in. That's <laughs> We're going <laughs> to see go. some desist from Bob Barker
2: here. That'll please, be man. my contribution to the, like, <laughs> Jack, what do we have for him? Jake, what do we always say? So Drew Carey sure does, does it, too. Snip your pets. Little, right? so, yeah, I think yeah, he, does. Yeah, he, yeah, does. he does. yeah, Yeah,
1: So keeping the traditional. alive. You'd have to switch it up a little bit so it's not exactly
2: right. So. Get your pets surgically. <laughs> I, fuck, no. Let's Pull go. their parts Get off. your
0: dog a vasectomy.
2: You don't eat your pets.
0: All right. Well, until next time, I am Jeremy Collie. I'm Jack Doherty.
2: I'm Jake
3: Runyon. I'm Michael Manabivable.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. You got the touch.
3: You got the power.
1: Seen this movie
2: but wait timmy's blind but what am i supposed to do why not try a podcast spirit spirit all the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the canned air podcast
1: finally a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation
2: now we know and knowing is half the battle gi joe
0: had it up, but I had to restart the computer.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Shut your mouth. Because of all the virus-laden porn.
3: Bro. <laughs> Shh, supposed to say nothing.
2: Double, double,
3: double issues. Don't you know that
1: you're a grown-up?